Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, dear friends and very distinguished listeners to Navigate with ID. This is your business school on radio, and I bid you welcome. Friends, it's been an exciting time as we have come through the walls of structural adjustment, looking at prioritization. And when we get through all of that, it's important that we now start looking at what will take us forward at times like this. Because this is a business school on radio, we want something that will help Ginger and put us on the path of a rebirth so that our businesses and what we profess to bring to the table will have a long-lasting effect. And so with this in mind, I would like to go into a topic that will be very interesting and should prod you in a direction as we consider credibility as a principle in business. Now, very many people look at the word credibility and ask, what does this mean? Credibility, interestingly, is a word that we hear all the time. But the reality is how many people actually practice or engage in the art of credibility. The dictionary defines the word credibility as the quality of being trusted and believed in. It also calls it the quality of being convincing or believable. When you look at a credible person, it means that person is totally trustworthy and totally believable. That is a good place for us to then sit back and look at credibility as a principle in business. Credibility is essential in business because it helps to build trust and confidence among the various stakeholders, such as customers, investors, employees, suppliers, and regulators. Credible companies are more likely to attract and retain customers, and their products and services are perceived to be of higher quality and reliability. In a season such as this, that we have a lot of brands, a lot of companies, a lot of businesses will wonder why they are not going through. It's because of a simple principle, credibility. If you check properly and understand the essence of credibility, you will understand that when you establish credibility, what follows is acceptability. And after that, you would have paved the way for a preference. You will be preferred over others and you would establish a preferred position with the people in the customer's mind. At the end of the day, you, that is your business, will influence the selection decision that every customer makes. So credible companies, credible businesses also have a better reputation and are more likely to be recommended by customers. If you look around you today, how many 
small, medium-scale businesses can you call credible? And this is meant to drive our economy. These small, medium-scale, as we call them, SMEs, are meant to drive our economy, not the mega, mega ones. Those ones do what they have to do. But what galvanizes jobs, passion, creates value, are the SMEs. And how many of them truly can say that credibility sits, dances, and brings everything that they require? To establish credibility in business, companies should focus on several factors. Honesty and transparency is one. A lot of businesses need to be honest and open about what they do. But Trust me, are we all open to have transparent dealings and operations? What about financial performance? Do you have businesses truly sharing their financial data the way it should be or challenges or issues that they face? This includes providing clear and relevant information to stakeholders, honesty and transparency. That's a way. That's a way to establish credibility. Our second point is around reliability and consistency. Companies and indeed businesses need to deliver on their promises and commitments consistently. You go online now and someone says to you, if you buy from our store, we'll deliver in 12 hours. 48 hours after, you are still calling their service line to find out what happened. All around our society, everywhere you find credibility as a scarce commodity. I don't want to get into individuals. That will be another disaster level. I don't want to get into how we trade amongst ourselves as individuals. Do people see you as credible? That's why I want to stay behind the walls of business. But behind those walls, you'll find that individuals are the ones that are running these companies, not ghosts, not spirits. Businesses that are running on the tank of credibility are run by individuals, and individuals and persons. So when you look at reliability and consistency as a factor that drives credibility, you ask yourself, do I really have this running in my business? Is my yes, yes, and is my no, no? Am I able to deliver high-quality products and services? Am I punctual in my deliveries? Do I meet the expectations of my customers and other stakeholders? A third factor that helps in establishing credibility in business is expertise. Companies need to demonstrate that they have the necessary skills, the knowledge, the experience, to deliver their products and services. So who do they rely on? People. And who are these people? They are a select group of skilled men, skilled workers, who will come, bring their expertise to the table, and be able to craft something that would allow companies begin to shine in the face of adversity. Why? Customers will look for such products to buy because they would deliver on the quality promise. And what that means is that these companies 
in activating this expertise in people would hire qualified and trained people. Their employees will be well-trained. They will use the latest technology and practices, and then they will have a good grasp of their target market. And so whenever you find credibility coming through the entire spectrum, being powered and wielded by the people called employees, it means that the company has seen the place of the people power and invested in such by allowing them to deliver their skills, knowledge, and experiences so the company's products and services may come through. This is why I always say that Nigeria's best asset, any day, any time, the Nigerian people, we are very skilled. We are very knowledgeable. We have experience. Now, a large proportion of us can boast of this. In the same manner, a large proportion of Nigerians are equally ignorant. They lack the skills and they want to substitute it. They want to fake it to make it. They lack the knowledge. In the process, they throw things that are not. And they lack the experience because they falter by trying to go through the wrong door. So. Credibility begins to eat us in the wrong places. Look at who we used to be and who we are now. A large chunk of our population do not even understand the essence of doing the right thing. They always want to take a shortcut. A shortcut is a function of lacking credibility. When you see a man trying to cut corners, that man lacks credibility because he lacks a sense of value. And so when he brings his business to the table, Everything he will try to do, rather than coming forward with reliability and being consistent, rather than showcasing expertise, he wants to take the shortcut. Oh, I don't want to go through this way. Let me bring this so that I can make quick money. And what do you want to do with the money? You want to show off. A fourth item or factor that establishes credibility in business is ethics. Friends, you will hear me say this over and over. Ethics is what keeps a company. Ethics is what makes your company grow. Companies need to behave ethically and responsibly in all their business dealings. This includes respecting the law, respecting the environment and human rights, and being socially responsible. Credibility is not something you pick up just on the shelf. Credibility is the price of admission. Without it, you won't be in the game. So the first foundation to lay with customers is your credibility as a provider. You lay this foundation not only in your proposal, what you want to do, how you want to go about it, not only in your plan, but even more importantly, in your market positioning, advertising, in the trade demonstrations you do, product demonstrations you do, third-party evaluations or product evaluation in your account management and in all pre-proposal areas or activities that occur while you are pursuing an opportunity. Very many times, people in pursuing an opportunity do not understand that even at the stage where they are writing their proposal, credibility has kicked in. Because it's that credibility, that heart of credibility that you use to put down those things that you will do that you need to live by. In short, you build credibility 
through every aspect of your business, whether it's marketing, whether it's sales, whether it's an ongoing uh, service delivery, and all that you do, credibility is just following through all the way. Now, one of the things that I put through, I can't remember now, would be two years ago when I talked about the game of chess. And I said, you know, I mirrored the life of um, and times of Kasparov, who's a master. You, you, you would be able to see how the game of chess brings all of this to bear. As difficult as you may look at it from a distance, but I want to appeal to many of you, business development is like chess because you need a behavioral advantage. That behavioral advantage is what is going to give you the edge over the other player. Everything you do as a company either adds to or detracts from your credibility with customers. Everything you do as an individual either adds to or detracts from your credibility with the people that are looking up to you. So how you establish credibility for a particular opportunity depends on whether you can offer the right experience, the right solution, the right technology, and then the right team. So if you have a business today that is not doing well, you need to ask yourself the first question. Have you established credibility? That is, do you have the right solution? And if you have the right solution, do you have the right technology? And if you have the right technology, do you have the right team? Let us start by looking at one factor, the right experience. So why do businesses go aground? They go aground because certain things are not brought to the fore. Could be expertise, could be mastery, could be the items or ingredients that they are promised their end users. So you must prove to customers that you have the right experience for the solution they need. If all else is equal, buyers will prefer the company with more experience because it implies a shorter learning curve. There are so many providers of different services, but the more experienced providers should be better at diagnosing and solving problems because they have seen it all before. They have the capacity. They should know where the trouble spots typically occur. So if you're an internet service provider, let's take that for example. There's so many now. If you are there and you don't have the right expertise to deduce and diagnose situations and solve those problems, why will customers remain with you? Of course, they're going to talk about their tale of woes and some other person would recommend another. And by the time you switch, you've left your former behind and you've gone into another relationship with another internet service provider. And if that one does not come to the table with the right experience, customers switch. They switch because they want a better life. They want a better experience. If you don't deliver a better experience, nobody will stick with you. In like manner, even if it's a consumable, if it's food, nobody will buy a meat pie that is sour. So if I know that you sell sour meat pies, there is no way I'll return to your store. You can fool me the first time, but trust me, 
You can't fool me a second time. Why? Because I won't come back. And even if everybody says to me that they need a pie, I'll say, don't go to X-Pie. X-Pie will destroy your taste buds because they sell sour pies. That is how businesses get to take themselves out because of one factor, credibility. The Nigeria of today is short on credibility. We are short on credibility in several aspects. This is not about the government. This is not about the president. This is not about the governor. This is not about your counselor. This is not about your director. This is not about your manager. It's about you. Behind every system in this country are people. And most of our people lack one thing, credibility. And so even when they are providing a service, they don't see credibility as a principle. They don't see it as a catalyst that will bring acceptability and ultimately bring preference. I call it the cap principle. I hope I'll have time. Maybe that's the way I'll take this series. I'll talk about it as a principle called CAP, C-A-P, credibility, acceptability, and preference. My marketing background tells me all of these are necessary for sustainability, even for brands. You as an individual, your credibility as an individual will open doors for you. People will accept you, not only you, generations after you've gone. There are many of us that don't know that long after we are gone, our children may not even have access into the family lounge. Why? Because we, the parents, lacked credibility, and so they will not be accepted. Not to talk of the larger society. When your name is tarnished, when you tarnish the name because of the things you do today, just to enjoy the benefits of today, what happens? You are endangering and putting to rest the acceptability of the future and ultimately being the preferred one. So if they are going to look for someone to say, we need a so-and-so to come and help us change this place, and your name comes up, everybody there will say, no, we don't prefer him. Why? Because he lacks credibility in between you've lost acceptability. That is also what happens with the battle of brands, the battle of the mind. The battle of acceptability comes when credibility knocks. So if you have a business and your business is not acceptable, go and check. Something is wrong with credibility. But if you are on that smooth drive, then it means that you've been able to identify the trouble spots you should be able to anticipate the roadblocks and know where they can tighten, where you can tighten your schedule. That's what it means. You know why that happens? Because you have the right experience. The right experience allows you to anticipate the roadblocks and to know where they can, you know, where you can tighten the schedule, eliminate costs, and find the right subcontractors, the right players, the right members of your team the right experience or even saying more experience also suggests that you will be more efficient at addressing the customer's needs. You know, when you address the customer's needs, you are actually adding up to lowering the risk for the customer. And when you do that, you are giving them what I call value engineering. You know, there is nothing as great as extracting value. 
So value engineering is the concept that allows you to reduce the customer's cost. There's nobody that, they know the math. Trust me, they know. If a customer finds out that he or she using your service reduces his expense by X Naira or X thousand, trust me, that person will not leave you. You own a petrol station, there's a petrol pump. And in that petrol pump, some go to, you know, fidget with the pumps. They make them, you know, sell less and they collect more. The customer may not know, but guess what? He will just come to your station. There are people that know where, if, for instance, the gauge is at half tank and they want to fill their tanks, I wish you the very best if you are in that space now. You know, um, I've also shared my own story. Taking three-quarter tank to full tank, I, I was slammed with 34000 and I said, welcome to the world of subsidy. It's okay, friends. Even if it goes to whatever, God will grant us grace to survive. That's not the distraction. But I'm saying to you that if you go to a fuel pump and you think the customer does not know that you have tampered with your pump, how will he know? He sits at the half tank to fill up the tank. He knows that this costs him or her a certain amount of money. And he gets to your pump and he mentions the amount. And your attendant feeds in the fuel into the tank. He looks at the meter. Ah, officer, I said you should give me 20,000 worth of fuel. He said, yes, I've put in 20,000, but it's not full. He will now give you an excuse and say, oh, well, I have. Most times they play games. Some will just throw air into it and then the thing is running. All kinds of gimmicks. What you don't know is that that customer has already conducted a value engineering scenario. He knows the next time he will not come into your station. And next time he will be speaking to some other person who will say, don't go to this brand, this particular station, because each time I go, this is what happens. It's called value engineering. Okay, you might think fuel is too much. Let me come to food. You get into most restaurants now, especially the QSRs. What do I mean by QSR? Quick service restaurants. There are a lot of them in the neighborhood these days. I don't want to call names. But you get there once upon a time when you are on the, you take the tray, you take a plate, and then you are able to pick up, oh, I want some rice. Once upon a time, there were three scoops of rice will make a portion. Today, they will bring a certain kind of spoon and they will give you the same three scoops. But those scoops will go nowhere compared to what it used to be. In the heart of the owners of that business, they have sort of found a way around efficiency. So they brought a different kind of spoon that looks deep, but is not deep or wide. It's just there, on the top. And by the time the guy scoops the first, scoops the second, scoops the third, He'll tell you, ah, both sides, three now. We always scoop three. They've removed the spoon that they used before because they want to re-engineer themselves and deceive the customer and ultimately still retain what they think they had. But they will not understand that the customer understands value engineering. Um, how you reduce a customer's costs is not by making his stomach go less. It's by filling it up. So why not? 
increase the price and give the man the value it deserves. Tell him that, sir, this used to be 2,000 a scoop. Now it's 2,500 naira a scoop for us to retain that quality, for us to be able to serve you. That's credibility. But many businesses lack it. See how many eateries close down. They don't close down because of stealing. No, that is part. That is part of business. I mean, the staff taking food home and all that. No, they close down because of patronage. And I've told you, if you take this as a chain, credibility, acceptability, and preference, if your customers don't follow through on that, you're dead in the water. So, if I move this conversation forward, when the value engineering takes place, at some point, of course, enough experience is enough. There may be little difference in the customer's mind between a company with 35 years experience and another with 10 years experience. What is more important to most customers is that your experience aligns with what they need. The closer, the better. So it's not enough to tell me that you've been in business for 50 years and this other guy that has been in business for 10 years is able to meet my need and aligns with me. I will not go with you. So if you have built the same kind of plant they need using the same processes in a similar location or geography with the same regulatory and environmental conditions and you can use the same team you used before, you are more credible than another provider who can offer everything you can except the same team that did it the last time. By and large, what I'm saying is that the more exact your experience is, the more credible you will be to customers. Business does not just happen overnight. Relationships are not just built overnight. They are built over time and they are sustainably built and kept into the future by credibility. Do you have credibility? If you do, I'll give you a, a little part of it. It is important in your proposals. So now you're soliciting for business. You want to go to a company to solicit for business. It is very important in proposals to highlight the similarities between your experiences and the customer's wants, needs, requirements, and goals. So it's important that you have a general overview of your vast experience, whether or not it applies to the customer's needs, is less effective and can appear as a whitewash. And this is a mistake many bidders make. The stuff, the experience section of their proposals with boilerplate descriptions of past projects, and they fail to make a connection. They fail to make the relevance of that experience clear to the customer's evaluations or evaluators. And what happens? They miss that deal. Friends, we'll be back shortly. Don't go away as we look at the subject of credibility. Be right back. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends. It's Navigate with ID, your business school on radio. Friends, we're looking at a very interesting topic, and that has to do with credibility as a principle in business. 
And we went through the whole gamut of speaking to the heart of credibility by asking ourselves some very valiant questions. And the factors we enumerated that drive credibility in business would start from honesty and transparency. We'll get into expertise, ethics, and all sorts. And we went on to talk about a very critical aspect, which is the fact that in order to establish credibility, you must do all it takes to ensure that your customers have the right experience for the solution they need. And that's where we touched on the right experience. I'd like to shift gears to look at the right solution as a form of what it takes to win and what it takes to have credibility. So the right solution is one that meets the customer's needs, solves the problems in the most efficient and effective way, satisfies their expectation, and gets them to their goals. Now, it isn't necessarily the most elegant, the most state-of-the-art or creative solution. Here, it is important to know what the customer values and how the customer thinks, neither of which will be revealed fully, if at all. So if you are going to source for a job, a contract, for instance, and um, you know, right before the break, we talked about the importance of highlighting similarities between your experiences and the customer's wants and needs in your proposals. So if you're going in for um, a contract and you want a business, and then you may not necessarily have all of that in the request for proposal or an RFP as they call it. Some buyers are open to creative alternatives and are willing to take some risks. So I'm saying that when you look at the window, the window is not about the most elegant necessarily or the most creative. It is about understanding the connection about what the customer truly values and how the customer thinks. Because in the way and in that pipeline lies something that you can deliver. Now, it is very crucial to understand how the customer views the solution. So if they are giving you an opportunity to bring a solution to the table, what latitude would you exercise to bring about the proposed solutions? Depends on how knowledgeable you are, and that brings to bear your own experience as a business. And when you bring your experience to bear, you're bringing the mastery, the totality of your expertise and that of your team to play. So having the right solution sometimes does not necessarily mean that you will get the job. Having the right solution doesn't mean all the time that you will connect with the customer or the end user. What it means is that you are able to connect at a level where the person that is using your service, my service, will have what I continually talk about as value engineering. That is, he sees that this individual, this company, brings my costs down. This company helps me fulfill what I need. This company or brand or service gets me to where I want to be. Whether you like it or not, customers usually lag behind us, which is why they come to us for solutions to their problems and fulfillment of their needs. One of their biggest concerns, for instance, is managing risk. So 
they will naturally prefer solutions they know about and are comfortable with once they know will work. Your challenge as a business is to propose a solution or is in proposing a solution that will solve the problem of the customer efficiently and creatively without substantially increasing the risk to either their pockets, their persons, or their environment. The customer just wants to see that my solution has come, my problem has gone, and this is the person that has made it happen. All of this can be made possible when you look at the lens of the right technology. So let's quickly just look at the right technology. The right technology is usually compatible with the customer's existing technology. And what that means is that the customer has an existing technology base and has one foot in the present and the other in the future. Technology today is especially tricky because the state of the art is advancing so rapidly in many fields. Today's technological aha may be tomorrow's or home. So you have to balance wizardry with practicality. There are loads of businesses that are having challenges simply because they are not able to balance wizardry with practicality. And this is where a lot of businesses are losing credibility because they are not aligning with where the customer is or carrying them on the journey. It is good to remember that for most customers, technology is the means to an end, not the end in itself. And they generally view technology as a necessary investment, if not a necessary evil. So if they have made a wise investment in a particular technology that enables them to produce their goods and services faster and better or cheaper, that's that same technology must integrate with their existing technology and will not require a wholesale replacement of other items. If their people, that is their staff, can easily learn, use and maintain the technology, and if the investment they want to make can be justified, then you know that you are able to swing your customers from point A to point B. I know that a lot of businesses today rarely bother on the side of trying to give their customers a headache. No, they don't with that intent. But some are blindsided by efficiency and the need to deliver a superior service over their competitors that they forget the crucial element. Do you understand the state of your customers' technology and their flock, what they have? If they are going to require buying a whole set of items again to replace what they are doing, the likelihood of them continuing with you will be very slim. So there are very key questions to ask, especially if you're trying to win a business, especially if you're trying to take your business to a higher level. Remember, we're talking about credibility because these factors are the ones that help us drive credibility, but you must ensure that you manage it well. So what are the key questions to ask about technology? Number one, is the technology you are proposing the best fit for the customer at this time? Number two, is it compatible with their existing technology or technological base? Number three, 
Does it minimize the time and expense they may incur in retooling, modifying existing facilities or equipment, revising their processes and systems, and also re-educating their people? Number four, does it enable them to streamline production, achieve greater efficiencies, reduce cost, or even improve quality or speed? And finally, will it give them a competitive advantage in their industry? Will it enable them to compete more effectively against their competitors? Remember I said so. If the answers to all of these are not positive, then you know you have a little work to do that your end users or your customers may not necessarily move into the stage of acceptability. Remember the CAP principle I talked about? that credibility brings about acceptability, and after acceptability comes preference. So when introducing new technologies, we sometimes talk about people as being early adopters, late adopters, or laggards. The early adopters are quick to experiment with new technology and are greater risk takers, but they are always very few. The late adopters wait until the technology is widely used and proven. It is tried, tested, and proven. They are risk avoiders who wait until the thing is feel safe before they step in. Most people are in the middle of the pack. They wait until the technology has been established and the early bugs have been found and fixed, but they don't wait as long as the laggards. The laggards wait forever. Companies are like this too. Businesses are like this too. Some are early adopters of new technology and have a big appetite for risk. Others are laggards. It is helpful to know whether your customer is an early adopter and how much technological risk they are willing to accept. If they want the latest technology without the risk, then the right solution may include installation assistance, 24-7 technical support, and providing for upgrades. Friends, when we talk about credibility and we come with the right experience, the right solution, the right technology, you need one right item, and that is the right team. If you don't have the right team, your credibility will fall flat because your credibility depends on your having the right team to execute and to serve the customer. Like my Boss will always say, customer service is key. You may have a fantastic product. You may have the right technology. But if you don't have the right team to serve the customer, you may as well just kiss the business goodbye. So what are the characteristics of a right team? Number one, a right team has an effective leader. Someone who can build a team, give it direction, and provide leadership both internally and to the customer. Number two, a right team has the right composition. It is diverse. Diversity is the art and the science. All the requisite skills are represented. It is not gender skewed. They have the right composition. So it doesn't matter if it's a woman or it's a man. It's about the skills and competencies that are play. The right composition. It is not saying gender, this is a man's job. No, 
that is the right team. A right team will also have its individual members with the right experience. Your company as a whole may have the right experience, but that is not enough. The people you propose must also be experienced in the right ways. They must be masters in the game. Number four, it acts like a team. Do you know when a team acts like a team? Each joint supplies. The members know each other, have worked with each other, and have a common sense of purpose, values, and goals. Number five, there are no interpersonal or other issues that could prevent its members from working together effectively. That is the right team. Its members have good chemistry with their counterparts in the customer's organization. And finally, the right team knows and understands the customer's specific needs, wants, requirements, and goals. Friends, that last item is extremely important. You know why? It is not uncommon for people to assemble their teams at the last moment and for their team members not to have participated in the entire process. When you have that, then you've just assembled a team that you want something out of. If your team members are recent imports, they will probably look that way, which does not enhance your credibility with the customer. So it's important that you assemble a team early and ensure that they participate in developing the solution and the proposal. And everything that you are doing, everybody carries everybody along. The success of a business does not sit on the laps of one man. It sits on the team. Being credible means you are passed through the first gate. It is almost impossible for you, having put on the stamp of credibility, to miss the boat because the next stage of acceptability is very key. But then I'd like to really emphasize, friends, that it takes a very strong character in the person of the individual to make things happen when we talk about credibility. Credibility is essential because in business, it's what will build trust and confidence among the various stakeholders. We're looking at investors. Why do you think investors come to put their resources into a business? It's because of credibility. Why is it important for you to look at the kind of suppliers that you have? They are the ones that will give you the right impetus and ingredients to help your business. But if you take on any kind of character as a supplier, the chances are that even your suppliers could actually take you out. If you have a supplier pool that does illicit business, people may not touch your business after all because of the kind of suppliers you have. So it's a whole chain. Even the regulators themselves are looking out to utilize the law to ensure that you do not bypass the law, that you respect the law. So credible companies, credible businesses are more likely to attract and retain customers. That's what we are saying to ourselves. But I do not want to leave this alone because without stepping into the terrain, 
to talk about credibility in a family setting. Much as we've looked at credibility as a principle in business, I'd like to quickly just hone on the same parameters because credibility is also important in a family setting because it helps to establish trust, respect, and healthy relationships. There are family-owned businesses. Without credibility, family members may find it difficult to communicate effectively or to resolve their conflicts in a positive and constructive manner. That is why you find family-owned businesses getting totally, I don't know what word to use, decimated. Once the breadwinner or the champion or the founder goes, the entire business goes up in flames. Why? Because credibility is also lacking or was non-existent. It was just there because the founder was there. So to establish credibility in a family setting, family members need to focus on the same kind of factors that we had for establishing a business. Number one, honesty and transparency. It's critical for family members to be honest with each other, especially when it comes to important issues that affect the family. This is a family-owned business. And you must be transparent about financial matters, about health issues, and other concerns. Reliability and consistency. Family members need to be dependable and consistent in their behaviors, emotions, and actions by keeping their promises and also by focusing on their commitments, as it were. In the African society, you know the place of the firstborn. You know the place of the senior. So in family-owned businesses, these have to be clearly, clearly stipulated. If you are a founder, if you are someone who has a family-owned business, and also there is a polygamous setting, you must sort out those things. If not, when you are gone, there will be issues. Credibility hits the roof, and then the whole building comes down. Credibility hits the foundation. The entire edifice gets wiped out. There is nothing to show again. Why? Because of the factor called honesty, transparency, and consistency. There's another piece. Just like we have credibility in business or in a company, expertise comes as a factor. Family members who are going to work within a family-owned business need to demonstrate their knowledge, their skills, and experience. And when it comes to matters that affect the family business, this has nothing to do with the fact that you are number one, you're number four. If number one is not skilled in accounting, you can't give the role of the CFO to number one, even if he's the next in line. Those things have to be clearly stipulated and clearly put to bed because family-owned businesses have internal turbulence. Is an internal turbulence, not even the external turbulence that brings the businesses down. And what, what happens when the owner, when the founder goes, everything crumbles. And that's when you find everybody ripping everything apart, court cases here and there. And what happens thereafter? The entire customer profile, the entire business empire goes to the drain simply because of one thing. They did not sit on the table of brotherhood 
to drive credibility from an expertise standpoint. Give honor to whom honor is due. If you know that number four in the family is a better accountant than any other, give him the job to do it. He's doing it because of the family interest, not because he's number four. Finally, the same way we talked about ethics in the context of credibility as a principle for businesses, for family-owned businesses and in a family setting, ethics is key. Why? Family members need to follow ethical standards and values that uphold the well-being and respect of all members. This includes teaching each other with treating each other with respect, empathy, and compassion. Overall, friends, credibility is very important in a family-owned business setting because it fosters healthy communication, trust, and respect among family members. When family members establish credibility within the family, they can then build strong relationships that can outlast a lifetime because it is generational. You know, you remember the famous ad. I still love that ad till this day. Um, and I recall it so well from generation to generation. This brand will be there. That is what will happen to your family-owned business. There are family-owned businesses today that are still around. And you wonder why they've been able to stay 100 years, why they've been able to spend 50 years, why they've been able to spend 30 years, simply because of credibility. And this credibility has come because certain individuals have taken the responsibility to look at credibility as a major factor in, in their business. But what exactly do you mean when you look at one aspect that could bring down the house, it's financial credibility. Friends, I know we do not have much time, but this is one place, one area where people miss it. I don't know how you can speak to credibility without being financially prudent. Being prudent in what you do and being prudent in what you know is especially important. Financial credibility has put many a man in a space where they make the wrong move and they never recover. It starts from budgeting. Every single organization needs to have credibility in budgeting. Credibility in budgeting is crucial because it ensures that the budget is accurately prepared based on reliable assumptions and data, and that is transparent and easy to understand. A credible budget helps to instill trust and confidence in stakeholders, absolutely, including board members, the funders, the investors, the staff, and even the public. So to establish credibility in budgeting, Companies need to focus on several factors. Number one is accurate data. Number two is realistic assumptions. Number three is involvement and transparency. Number four is review and monitoring. It is when you've done all of these so well that you set yourself into a space called financial credibility. And financial credibility refers to the trust and confidence that investors that stakeholders, and even the public 
will have in your business. So it is critical for businesses to maintain financial credibility, to obtain funding, to secure partnerships, and to remain competitive in the market. And to establish that, given that this is a business school on radio, I want you to really take these points down, that to establish and maintain financial credibility, a company should focus on the following. Number one, a strong number one is accurate financial reporting. Financial reports should be accurate, reliable, and transparent. Financial statements should provide a true and fair view of the company's financial performance and position. What can kill a company down the road is inaccurate financial reporting. You think you're hiding one zero. That one zero will cause ripples that would destroy the company down the road. Number two, compliance with regulations. A company should comply with regulations and report to regulatory authorities in a timely and accurate manner. Failing to comply with regulations or engaging in fraudulent practices will undermine financial credibility. Regulators are there in your industry. Do not joke. Even if you are trying to do something in your house, you think you can produce water, beverage, or ching-ching, and they say there is a body called NAVDAC, Food and Drug Administration Control, that has been set up by government to regulate food, and you decide to do it in your small store and not get approval. Someday, you must find a place to comply with regulations. Otherwise, someday you will pay for it. You cannot sit in a place of fraudulent practices. The other points to note are effective financial management, open communication, and finally, ethical conduct. Every company or business should adhere to ethical practices and principles to establish trust and credibility. Friends, this topic called credibility would always provoke a lot of conversations. And I'm hoping that we would look through the next stage of it, looking at acceptability when we come back, because from credibility, you have acceptability and then preference. Thank you so much, friends, for listening. It's time to roll on. God bless you and goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.